Welcome back to Knowledge Drop. My name's Josh. And my name's Derek. And I'm happy to be back, man. Been too long. Yeah. yeah. I, uh, I'm starting to enjoy this uh, increased amount of uh, episode out because I get to see you guys more often. It's uh, pretty good. Yeah, I get, get to see you guys more often, get to learn a little bit more often. So uh, it's a win-win. Yeah, agreed. Do you have something for me? Uh, yeah, I think I do. And uh, this one actually kind of took me by surprise. I hope it will take you by surprise as well. Um, so we were talking about, I can't remember how we got on this topic at work, but we're talking about mountains and, um, how tall they are. Yep. Cause everyone's like the tallest mountain in the world on earth is the, uh, is Mount Everest, right? Mm -hmm. But it's not the largest mountain in the world. Largest defined in volume or still in height, but reversed in height. So negative height. Like Uh, then, then I jump to like the ocean trench. Yes, yes. You're you're in the right in the right area. So the largest or tallest mountain in the world is uh, is actually the island of Hawaii. Like because oh. if you start from the bottom of the of the mountain to the top, it's the greatest increase from like top to bottom versus Everest, which is just at already a high altitude. So you you can sit because it's more Everest is on or I guess technically between tectonic plates yep yep while hawaii is also on top of a tectonic plate but that tectonic plates at the bottom of the ocean is that how that works uh kind of so hawaii is a volcano that just kind of erupted in the middle of a plate yeah and so because it erupted it it had so much more material come out i guess when it erupted because all the the hawaiian islands are just a chain there's like a hole in the plate and because the plate's moving islands keep popping up and so eventually there's going to be more islands that that come up so you'll have a longer chain unfortunately Uh, not in our lifetime no 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 um sub uh, a uh, a sub fun fact is you know that alaskan uh chain of islands yep those are like the scrapings off of the pacific tectonic plate uh going under the plate of alaska Mm. so it's getting scraped and those islands are going to get slowly bigger, which is kind of cool. Maybe we'll have a land bridge to Russia. One day, one, one day. day. But that's not my fun fact. My fun fact is the tallest mountain in the world is inversely proportional to the gravity of that planet. So if you have extremely low gravity, you could have potentially much higher mountains. Which makes sense when you say it, but I never would have thought about it like that. <laughs> yeah. No, and then that's what we kind of stumbled on. We were talking about that of the the solar system's largest mountain, the one that the the tallest mountain that we know of in existence because we can't really see other planets in that detail yet. But uh, Olympus Mons on Mars, which is a, a third the a third the gravity of Earth, and it I never I didn't compare numbers, but it's significantly taller than than Everest. And I I don't know I thought that was kind of fun, kind of interesting that gravity plays a role in the the height that is super cool i wonder if that's also growing at a similar rate of everest or if in a billion years everest will be taller even though we just disproved Mm, that i i don't think it'll be taller because eventually i feel like mars it's gonna degrade because it's not growing and there is a little bit of weather activity so like do we know it's not growing yeah, I think th- I think we're pretty sure that the core of Mars is dead because there's no like magnetosphere. Uh, See, so yeah, I, I'm not as up on Mars as you are, but oh, we should get Hayden here. He loves space, so he he'd be able to tell us all about it. Yeah, he'll he'll, he'll have to fill us in on the next yeah, one. Yeah, but yeah, for sure. For the time being, you ready to jump into it? Let's do it. So today I wanted to talk about. just how there is more engineering, more complexity, so much more that goes on behind the scenes than what people think. And I'm going to talk about that in the industry I'm specifically in, which is aluminum windows and doors. Which I am uh, adjacently uh, prepared to talk with you about. So there's so many things to consider when you start um, designing a door. Um, and to start you, when you, when you're, you're designing out a door system, 
you kind of have to understand what um, rating you want to achieve. And when like I when safety I, rating or so yeah, so there's two main um, sets of ratings that uh, a door can be classified under. There is a thermal rating, and that mm-hmm. is called uh, NFRC. That that is the company or the, or the standard that um, performs or audits that, that rating. Okay. And then there is FGIA ratings, which is covers your structural air air and water. So for thermal performance, thermal performance is mainly governed by value R. Mm-hmm. I've heard that before. And so value R probably, uh, or sorry, uh, a U factor. But U factor is is not what engineers use. Engineers use the R factor. Yeah. So the bigger the R factor, the more insulated it is, the more protected against yeah. um, energy transfer, heat transfer it is. And so the U value is just one over R. Okay. So the lower the U value, uh, the better thermally performing. Okay. And that's becoming more and more important because as um, different uh, cities, counties, states implement um, newer and newer um, codes, they want to promote a certain level of energy efficiency Mm-hmm. To help help reduce the amount of amount of time your AC is running or yeah, whatever yeah. it is, so um, so it's it's important, especially depending on what region or if the entire United States you're in a certain certain range of U values, and then you go over to FGIA, and so FGIA consists of um, air and water infiltration and also structural testing. Interesting. So there, there's there's four common um, classes. There's um, R, LC, CW, or AW. I'm pretty sure it's residential. Um, it's like lower commercial, commercial something, and then like architectural. I I could be off. I, I just remember the uh, the letters. So you the have, ones that you work with. Yes, yeah, so you have, you have <laughs> R, LC, CW, and AW, and that governs across the United States as as far as I'm concerned. All of the all of the different ratings, except in hurricane territories, mm-hmm. which um, you need even increased performance. Yeah. Um, so when you're talking about these standards for strength and you said air and water... Infiltration. Infiltration. So when you're talking about these ratings, is it like a test of how strong the actual door is or the frame or the combined door frame? Um, yeah, so... I, so, of that structural part, you design your door system to be um, structurally loaded at um, a certain PSF. Okay. And so, it is both the frame and the panel in conjunction. Okay. So, it matters. Doors, in, panel. Yeah. So, it matters okay. in the way in which you install it such that your door frame doesn't fly out of the opening. Mm-hmm. And then it matters how well your panel performs in terms of deflection. Yeah. Such that it is still intact after the test. So, Interesting. Um, so there's these four different grades. Um, and so the minimum performance grade um, for each one is in, in for structural is 22.5 starting at R, 37.5, 45, and 60 ending at AW, AW being the highest. Um, and so... These are tested, you know, in a, in a pressurized chamber, but they're not tested at only 60 if we're going for the max. So they're not tested mm-hmm. at only 60. They're tex- tested at um, 1.5 or 150%. Yeah. Or in this case, 90 PSF. Okay. Um, and I, I'm i not super familiar with the exact testing methods. Yeah. Because um, yeah. I, I, I don't, I haven't personally done those, but th- it, it goes through cycling. So it has to withstand mm-hmm. um, mul- multiple cycles of... Um, pressure at 150% of your minimum threshold grade to achieve that class of rating. Yeah. Um, Is there like a factor of safety that you guys incorporate into your design? Uh, or, or is that I'll, like I'll, a 1.5? Yeah, I'll, I'll touch on that a little later. Okay. Um, but to quickly hit on the water infiltration. Mm-hmm. So uh, the, wa- the water infiltration... Um, Going from R to AWR being the lowest, AW being the highest, 
um, it you in, increase that. I believe I could, I could be wrong. I believe it's 15, 20, 30, and 40 PSF. And so then you test that at um, 15% higher than expected or high, higher than. So if you're if running 15, you're running at 15 times 1.15. So mm-hmm. an extra 15%. Um, and that you have to, that is cycled for five, five minutes on, five minutes off, five minutes, I think three times. Okay. Um, and your, your goal is that is they, they pressurize the chamber and then they're spraying water, like hunt, like to hundreds of gallons, right. Onto this, onto this door. And they're trying to suck water in. Mm-hmm. Um, and just side tangent on that. There is, you wouldn't believe all the little ways water can get in somewhere. It is a, tricky little guy man it can find its way (laughs) in any seam or crease um and then so water water testing is a big one Mm -hmm. and then um air infiltration is you know basically they're um they're measuring how much air is passing through and there there's a it has to be under some set um pressure getting through for it to classify okay and so um those four classifications are important Mainly when you're talking about um, whether you just want to do residential homes or whether you want to work your way into commercial grades, because um, city city code has different regulations on uh, what classification you need in what type of building. So it depends what type of building you are. It also depends um, what elevation you are in terms of in terms of like a house, if a one story house compared to like a six story house, because the wind oh, load. Okay. Um, at that elevation is is much higher than okay. down down near the earth. Yeah, and even even when you get to um, even like high, higher elevations, say, say Colorado, you you usually experience like um, greater winds, or maybe it's not. Maybe it's just that part of the country. But so you you have to consider um, all, all those different things to choose what to design around and choose mm-hmm. who, who you're your target group is because and you'll you'll be able to correct me if i'm wrong when you're the doors not just for opening closing you're also trying to distribute load through it from what's above it not that it's load bearing but it still has to hold up what's above it no so that that that's that's what the usually they put those structural beams on for right okay so if you if you have a big opening um, let, let's say you have like a 20 foot opening and you see this big beam, that beam is one to support the weight of itself and mm-hmm. the door if need be, if a door is head loaded or not. Yeah. And then it needs to be able to support everything on top of that. Yeah. So it needs to be able to support the hundreds of pounds of drywall and stucco and finish and extra framing you have up there. Mm-hmm. That's not necessarily on the door. Okay. As far as I know. No, no, no. I'd, I'd... I don't build into homes like that very often, so it's it. Uh, yeah, just trying to figure out uh, more about your your doors. Yeah. So once once you kind of establish your market, um, mainly mainly the um, the structural, how, how much you want to, you know, uh, be able, be able to do essentially, um, that starts to define uh, parameters such as. Um, panel thickness in terms of overall depth and also yeah, yeah. also your wall thickness talking about uh, aluminum extrusions um, but an interesting and because aluminum is fairly strong and you can do mm-hmm. a lot of things if it's just aluminum to reach a lot of those high high structural grades and then do all kinds of finicky things to make sure you pass pass your water yeah but Aluminum is metal. Metal has high conduction, so it's a very good transfer of heat. Yeah. Right? So the problem with um, all metal, all aluminum doors and windows, is that it lasts structurally, but thermally it performs very, very, very bad. Makes so, sense. Um, as, as these newer homes and newer regulations are requiring these lower and lower R values, at least in residential. Mm-hmm. You, you're gonna very soon start running into not being able to sell into those communities if you have a high R value, because you're not yeah. you're not well insulated. You're burning a lot of 
energy to keep keep your place cool. Interesting. So that's that's where the big innovation of thermally broken uh, aluminum windows and doors comes in. And so what that is exactly is instead of a solid profile as as in one one, one profile it's it's a hollow it's it's not solid aluminum or yeah. else we would not be able to open the door <laughs> um so so a solid profile of aluminum and you basically pick a point cut it in half and then you introduce what what we typically use is like a glass filled like nylon composite something or other yeah yeah but you you put that in between the two pieces of metal mm-hmm. so now you have broken mm-hmm. the conduction so now now you have an in- insulator gap right yeah and so you have cold on cold on the inside whatever your ac is and then you either have really hot or really cold on the outside but because of that conduction barrier you can have a big temperature difference and it it's thermally efficient and it also um, feels good for the customer in the sense that they touch their doors not hot or their doors not cold and when you get to other climates like back east if you have an all-metal door because of the huge difference in um, heat mm-hmm. between your living room and then because it's so cold your whole frame because it's because it's metal you're gonna get um, condensation and um, <laughs> freezing on your actual panels uh it's funny that you say that because that reminded me of that happening um so when i i lived in fairbanks like one of the colder places in north america i remember our windows and our door handles and all of that they'd have these ice buildups yep and so um so like our back door to our backyard in the winter you you never go into the backyard (laughs) and so (laughs) there were times when like you couldn't open the door because the frost or the it's like that buildup you get in the freezer. Mm-hmm. You exactly, couldn't open, exactly. o- open the door, which is, yeah, that's, that's interesting. Is, I didn't think that people thought about that. Yeah, which is bonkers. And then draw the exact opposite parallel to now you're in Arizona. Mm-hmm. And you're like, well, my door's not going to freeze. Yeah. But if your door is sitting, I don't know, what, what's worst, east or west, in the morning, it just bakes all morning. You mm-hmm. go out to open the door. I mean, and it's it's really common. Commercial, most of commercial is still all, all metal, like mm-hmm. any, any of those doors you touch just because it's a lot cheaper to build a manufacturer yeah. and people um, like put tape or foam yeah put tape or foam or you you can burn your hand walking up to one oh, of those because yeah. oh, yeah. it just bakes in the sun and then even when you're leaving it, it's still hot because like i said like again it's not it's not thermally broken so mm-hmm. it may not be as hot as the outside because i mean you literally have the sun baking it but it's hmm. transferring super well yeah i have not uh this tickles my brain because this is something that i deal with at work too in the in a different way but like we like to use aluminum as well it's lightweight it's strong you can you know temper it different ways whatever whatever but we're trying to make it go you know hypersonic Mm. and so how do you get something to go that fast without it building up all this heat and transferring that heat inside because you can't just make everything out of titanium yeah unless it's the new iphone (laughs) unless it's the new (laughs) iphone (laughs) um uh, and so it's interesting that like we're playing with you know different composites, uh, carbon carbon like the the carbon foam tiles that the space shuttle had, mm-hmm. stuff like that. But it's interesting. I didn't expect to see that kind of application in door design, and I I, yeah, I love it. It's awesome. And so now you kind of find yourself at a funny parallel or sticky situation because you optimal strength comes from solid aluminum profile. Mm-hmm. However, that's the worst. Um, thermal performing yeah the best thermal performing is when you can get that aluminum as far away as possible make that um, insulator gap as big as possible mm-hmm. but the bigger you make that insulator gap the less metal you have because yep. you, only, you only can go so wide so then the weaker you become yeah because you're you're dimensionally limited by the size of the opening that you're putting the door into yeah so, so you have some freedom on um how, how you how how big your frame depth is and how big your panel depth is, mm-hmm. but there are, there are limitations there, yeah. and that's other things to consider in your design. Yeah. Um. So. Su- super super big, almost optimization problem. Where, 
where do you find the, the best balance of both worlds? Mm-hmm. Um, and to, to dig a little further into this um, thermal, j- just so everybody knows, um, in Windows and Doors, you only run you run a thermal simulation on on the profiles. So on on like a subsection, so you'll run it on like a a style jam, or you'll run it on a, a bottom rail, um, and sill. And so you run all these simulations, and then your test has to be, I think, within ten percent of your simulation. Yeah. But when you're running your um, simulations, you don't have to include any parts that are non-continuous. You only include continuous parts. So, like at corner joints, or if you have a backing plate, which is you know a little metal plate you put in to um, make make sure you have good connection into uh, your lock or your handle or something like that. Mm-hmm. You only, you only, you only have to put in continuous parts um so just what from my young career what i've seen is people usually target a goal a goal r r value Mm -hmm. and then they build they build around that 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 is something because now it's fixed in so many things they have to start out there so they can even get into there and then they have to figure out the rest of it so they have to figure out how to make it strong enough how to make um water infiltration that makes sense because if you don't fix your R value, the optimization problem is is much uh, much hairier to tackle. Yeah, and then all right, you you do all this you do all this work, and you're like, well, your R value is uh, 0.03, and I guess I guess for reference, um, I want to say, and now our R values required R values are around the high. Well, it's like 0.28. That's kind of okay. on the upper end of what they'll let you. Al- have for an r value mm-hmm. um and so you know all, all metal or or different um thermally broken methods which aren't true truly thermally broken they'll get you like um almost like 0.4 or even a little higher so and it, it's it take it takes a lot to get down there yeah so so you want to build around your r value and then you have to make make your structural work essentially mm-hmm so, so that's just a start. That's just like, what community, what, where do I want to get into? Yeah. And how strong do I have to be? And so um, going back to the structural really quick and, and getting that structural, mm-hmm. um, fr- from what I've done, we, we've set um, frame depth limitations. Mm-hmm. And that from that, that drives your panel depth. So f- um, for example, on... Um, our products, we have a four and a half inch frame depth on um, all of our regular doors and windows. Um, and what that does is on framers uh, frame with two by f- two by fours, which is actually three and a half inches, right? Yes, I am. Uh, yeah, I got a funny story about that later. So we we built we build our frames at four and a half. Mm-hmm. So we have our nail fin, which is uh, nail you know what a nail fin, fin in. No. So if you ever there, there's two types of installation methods. There's what I call block frame and there's nail fin. So a nail fin is um, basically a little piece of metal or you'll, you'll see it in vinyl or, or uh, wood doors, I'm sure, that wraps all the way around um, the the door system, the door frame. Okay. So you put that in your opening and then you attach through the nail fin in, into, your, into your frame, into your wooden frame. Interesting. Or... Okay. You you put it in without those, and you attach screws t- through the jam and heads itself. Okay, yeah, yeah, I'm very familiar with that kind. I've more, never more seen nail block fin. frame. Okay, yeah. So nail nail fin is also very common. Is it just more easier, more efficient, cheaper? Yeah, it, it's super super easy. Because I mean, okay. throw it in there, level it, pop, 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 pop. Okay. Um, and so yeah, you make four and a half frame depth. So then you set your nail fin. Um, one inch back so at that three and a half mm-hmm. and then you have an inch to for your you know your taping insulation or probably not insulation but taping shingles you know whatever to finish out to the front of it yeah so that's that's why you, we use four and a half across most of our products um and then a different thing to consider is in, on a on a multi-slide and this is I'm going to talk about multi-slides or, or patio sliders, sliding doors in general, mm-hmm. because that, that's a recent thing we've we've been going through lately is um, there's 
it's 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 harder to get bigger uh stronger ratings with um it's harder to get bigger structural ratings with these multi slides cuz now you're pressurizing a, a a system of doors right that aren't that none of them are necessarily fixed mm-hmm. um and you get a lot of deflection and so the the way to fight fight deflection is two ways i mean you can have thicker walls which helps with stiffness mm-hmm. but not necessarily deflection because deflection comes um in the depth of the profile so the the greater the depth of the profile uh the greater resistance it has to bending okay i'm i'm tracking um but when you limit and and so greater depth right but you also gain strength by more aluminum so this is where this is some of the hardest part where you 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 def- constrict yourself within a frame depth so then you set your panel depth mm-hmm. and now it's super difficult to get to certain ratings and and just kind of kind of yeah because and if i understand you right it's because you're 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 fixing the amount of material in the panel and in the uh in the frame and it's not like you're going to change the characteristics of the aluminum you're using because then that gets expensive yeah so we so for our, our multi-slides we we want to be able to fit three tracks, which is a true multi-slide, on a two by six frame. Okay. Um, so slightly bigger than two by four, but yeah. still industry standard to yeah. frame out. So you don't have to do some crazy something crazy. Um, there's a lot of companies, you know, that you can add a lot of frame depth, so that or a lot of panel depth. So then, let's say your panels are three inches wide a piece, but then by the time you're at three, three panels, thick. yeah, three inches thick. But then by the time you're at three panels, three tracks your frame depth's nine, 10 inches, yeah. which is huge. Yeah. And you keep going. Um, and so, um, our, we, we wanted to have ours at, um, six inches. So we get three tracks on a two by six, mm-hmm. which is, so you can hit, hit a wider, wider market of people. So the, sorry, just to make sure I understand you guys, it's three tracks. So starting from exterior going interior, there's one, two, three tracks. Yeah. And each uh, panel, so there, you said there's three panels. Yep, three panels. And they're all on their own track. Yep. And they all have to be sealed against each other even while moving. Well, well not... Or not in, in moving, but like... When, when enclosed, yeah. Yeah, when it's enclosed, they have to be sealed at those those joints. Yeah. and Are, I'm guessing it's significantly easier to do three tracks than to do. I've seen a single track where the door is kind of accordion fold. So that yeah, that's a different type of product. That's called a bifold. Bifold, okay. Yeah, because I've seen like these I don't know like twelve foot openings and it just kind of accordions all the way across. And mm-hmm. To me, it's like you can do the two by four or you can do the two by six, and it can be added a bunch of insulation. But I don't know how much harder a folded yeah. door is. Well. It's, just, it's it's for us i mean that's not super important you have to you have to offer a full system so it's it's more of some people like like that or they they like the piano oh, door or yeah like yeah it, so. I, I guess i'm just kind of curious if you guys have had any experience with that in terms of building or uh just yeah i mean any... we, we we offer one uh, oh, okay. we, we've done some okay. cool ones for sure um yeah, sorry. So, so getting back to like the multi-slide design challenge specifically, mm-hmm. so you're, we want to fit three tracks in six inches. So then you limit your panel depth to, um, you know, un- under two inches because yeah. you need need room for everything. Yeah. But yet you need you need your metal as far away as possible mm-hmm. to get that um, desired R value. Mm-hmm. So now so now you have um pr- pretty limited options on how. St- stiff i can make how stiff it even can be yeah and then so you get to um an eight foot height and you're okay there but then someone's like well make it a 10 foot and you're like (laughs) okay so then you put it in 10 foot and you're like ah this isn't working so you have to like you know figure out how to make a 10 foot work and they're like what about a 12 foot um and so that that's an interesting design creep that we had recently yeah uh it was you know designing for one thing and they keep wanting taller sizes, which then you need even you know stiffer and stronger to meet the same 
um, rating as you did at a smaller height because yeah. you're going to experience way more deflection. And they're, and they're like, I just don't understand. why. If it works for eight, it should work for 12. And it's well, like, they should listen to this podcast episode then. Right. And so, yeah. So, so sorry. Went on a little tangent of a little complaint there. But so you're working in, you're working in, you're starting from R value and you're structural. You, you need to get those in for sure. And then you're working off of um, constraints, whether it's from upper management or customers or industry standard of frame depth. And then, and then you're, you're, you're left somewhere with the rest, right? So you have your, your frame and your panel design. And so I, I think an, an interesting thing is um, your, your frame systems pretty much all need to be unique. Mm-hmm. Um, j- just because there's so many unique differences between a, a pivot door, um, a hinge door, a bifold. Um, and a hinge door is, is what everybody has in their house, um, opens from the hinges, a bi a bifold like Derek said kind of opens like an accordion. Mm-hmm. Um, they fold in on each other. Pivot door doesn't um, open from the right or the left side. It opens from some point in Those the are middle. My favorite kind of that's doors. that's that's, that's, that's his specialty. Sorry. Um, and uh, other kind of and then there's sliding doors, which is kind of it's a, a, a whole different design aspect mm-hmm. than a swing door. Um, and so when you're you're going through the design phase. It's it's super interesting because I've kind of seen the design phase of a multi-slide system and I've seen a design slash redesign phase of a swing door system. Um, and to me, when you're trying to maximize throughput, you really have to think about, one, how is this going to be processed in sense of do I need a machine... Th- um, cutouts so that parts fit together. Do I need to machine holes so I yeah, can screw things together? DFM designed for designed for manufacturing. Yeah, all that. And stuff. it and it is crazy how some people like don't understand that. And when a product is truly designed for manufacturing, um, how much better it is. Oh yeah, and um, how much it can drive costs too. Yeah, drive costs lower. So yeah, that was something we focused heavily on on this recent multi-slide that Mm -hmm. maybe not as much in our swing doors and we've had to circle back and revise a lot on these swing doors but so when you when you get in the design it's it's super interesting it's how do i design this so that minimal parts go on the cnc Mm -hmm. so i have minimal machining time how do i design it so that across um all all, because swing swing doors um, maybe not all frame parts are the same. Maybe you can reuse some frame parts. Um, your panel should more or less be able to be the same. Mm-hmm. Um, you might have to have a couple distinct parts on there d- depending on. But how can I use as many similar parts yep. across it all? And like, um, and then you get even down to hardware. Um, obviously, a hinge door can't have the same hinges as a pivot door because they don't work the same, but maybe mm-hmm. they can have the same handles. Or maybe they can't because maybe industry standard um, doesn't like it, but when you're, um, I, I think design for manufacturing is a huge thing because I've seen how how much it can improve or or suck because something wasn't thought through right. Yeah, no, I. That's probably one of my favorite things to to discuss when we're talking about a project is how we're going to build it for like optimizing cost and, mm-hmm. and efficiency, just because. There's so many people out there that even engineers that they um, the biggest gripe that people get machine machine shops stuff like that is engineers don't design things that can be made at all. Yeah, it's it's funny. Anytime you go down the manufacturing floor, it's like I know in your little perfect world you saw this <laughs> great thing and it worked just fantastic, but this is the real world. Yeah, in your zero tolerance CAD program, you can make those kinds of corners and those kinds of holes, but not here. Yeah, um, so. And so, uh, and those are things you can optimize for is your your design tolerances. So mm-hmm. like you can use pretty common hardware versus having to buy more specific hardware that have tighter tolerances because it require your design required that. Yeah. Because um, we we came across that a couple of times where we had to actually machine our own bolts because it was oh, such a God. high tolerance for a specific part and we didn't have. Wow time to go through the entire assembly and redesign all the to- like the tolerance stack that it uh, it ended up with and so it was like a good lesson learned for us mm-hmm. um, but yeah it that's probably one of my we should probably do a podcast episode about 
designing for manufacturing because it, it's it's really fun to talk about but interesting to keep diving into levels deeper than that because with with your cnc shop they only go to a certain decimal point mm-hmm. before they're like yeah my machine can't physically do that or they charge you five dollars and they're like that extra decimal point mm, that's a thousand dollars right <laughs> yeah yeah exactly and um, then yeah and then there's some material properties that you can't so like for us you can't put aluminum and steel touch yep and so you have to keep that in design because then if your structure if your bracket needs a steel bracket but your uh, arrow structure whatever is aluminum then you have to like okay am i going to put primer in between like some kind of epoxy that, that disconnects that and yeah so a little tangent but yeah and so you want to design for manufacturing but then you also have to consider serviceability. Mm. So serviceability is another yeah. big thing because yep. it's not like, um, so so more or less how a door goes together is you put four pieces of metal, you stick some glass in there with some sticky stuff, and that's that's more or less your door window. So when you can't like put screws or you can't put like sub assemblies that are held in or restricted. From from the inside where the glass and yeah. silicone being the sticky stuff that holds it in. Mm-hmm. You can't put it in there because then if I ever have to service that, I'd have to take the whole glass out and we call it deglazing a panel. That is the <laughs> worst thing because you're going around there trying to cut out all this, you know, it's basically super thick and there's a lot yeah, of it, yeah. super glue all the way around and it's horrible. Yep. Um, but not only that, it's like... Um, you know, what What if I have this big heavy panel, you know, one service guy goes out, he can't necessarily take the panel out. So yeah. how does he service it without taking the panel out? Yeah. Or so, so there's all, all, all sorts of different things to think about when you're thinking about serviceability. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just another one of those trade-offs you have to think about your, your ex- order of operations. Exactly. Um, all, all the way, all the way down the pipeline. And then, and then it, the whole time, you know, you're, you're, you're hearing customer input, you know, you want minimal sight lines, um, you want certain oh, yeah. hardware specs. Yep. So the aesthetics part of it. So the aesthetics is a big part of it, especially because, mm-hmm. um, so when you're selling all, all metal, usually that's a lot of commercial and they could care a lot less about exactly how it looks. They you know, more yeah. or less get in there as open and closed as a lot. Yeah. Cool. Um, but this thermally broken is typically at a, at a higher a higher price point mm-hmm. so it's typically going into much much nicer homes where the aesthetic is super important um and i can share some pictures of with you of, of service trips I, i've gone on so you, so you can see some of these homes and they're absolutely beautiful right mm-hmm. but when you, when you have an absolutely beautiful home it's you can't have yeah you can't be ripping into the wall to get to your screw that you need to take out yeah or, you, you can't you can't be having extraordinary service you can't be yeah. having thick sight lines because you needed to meet some spec like you need you're trying to optimize so many different things. Yeah. Um, and so it, it's super interesting. Um, just so many design requirements like you don't even think of. But then when you kind of get into like the manufacturing of this, when you look at a corner of aluminum um, window and door, it's it's interesting because like how, how does it go together? Do you because there's different ways on how you can put together a corner. Um on a window aluminum and door. Um, so first of all, all everybody's styles run long and that is for good reason because imagine if your rails <laughs> ran long, when you opened your door, everybody would see two big holes, one at the bottom, one at the top looking through, through it. Right. Yeah. And so if you have an aluminum window and door, uh, you, you know, your, your tops and bottoms are basically open, but nobody sees the top or the bottom mm-hmm. or, you know, they might cover it in some way. But that's ugly. So right, that's that's why everybody does it is to hide that. Yeah. Um, and so your rails run in between. So how how do you fix your rails? Because you need to fix your rails from linear motion, being able to move back and forth, and you need to fix it from rotational motion. So that can be done through a set of screw bosses, right? If if you run, do uh, you know what a screw boss is? Uh, is it related to set screws? No. So okay. A screw. No. A screw <laughs> boss is. Um, so like when typically you drill a hole right, and then mm-hmm. your you drill your screw into your hole. Yep. So a screw boss is 
a feature in an extrusion. It's basically like a C. So it's a C that runs the entire length of this profile. And so that way you just screw into the C. Oh, so it's like a if you're looking at your linear extrusion uh from the from one of the ends. Yep, from one of the ends. You're looking at the profile. Yep. The C it's like a channel that runs the length of the the Yep. the prof of the of the of the profile, yeah. yeah. You're you're drilling into the C. No, so you're drilling your screw will go will be like eaten by the C. You're not drilling through it like a hole, but you're drilling into it. Oh, oh, so if you're looking at the profile again, you're putting the bolts in the end. Yeah. Okay, okay. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, I, I guess this might be hard to visualize, but ima imagine, right, your um, your screw is going to be parallel to your rail. So yeah. it's going to go go into that C. So it's like, so if you do it by that, um, are screws aesthetic? How do you, if they're not aesthetic, how do you hide it? So do you have to build in a feature in your profile so that your screw head sits somewhere on a wall on your vertical style mm -hmm. um so then it you know it can pull in and have a secure um connection to your rail but then how do you hide that hole is it a plastic a little plastic cap or, or how do you how do you hide that hole so yeah. it's still aesthetically pleasing mm. or um you can go to um blocks so imagine imagine you have um a big block sticking out of your vertical that your other hollow uh, that your other um, rail sits into. Um, so like at your block, you're saying the rails on the ground, the block is going to be on the interior exterior, or are you talking about like further so, into the wall that the rails? So Matt, sitting I'm gonna in? I'm gonna use sports because I'm a sports guy. Ah, oh, dang it! So imagine okay. imagine like uh, a basketball. Okay. Ba a basketball is this block. Okay. And so, and the the rim is is the rail so it's gonna basically okay. it would go perfectly onto that block right okay. and then you can secure that from the inside where you so, have you have the glass and stuff so you hide all your connection screws because mm -hmm. if you ever have to take a panel apart you already have to um, take the glass out anyways right mm -hmm. um so is the block kind of like a shim not that there's like a, it's pushing anything apart but it's just kind of a it sits next to the rail to hide the screw boss but it's also i am realizing very late in this podcast it is very hard to articulate <laughs> all of this it, over words it's good practice it's good practice um, so i i apologize for that but no so essentially imagine you have your style here your vertical style right because our rails have to sit between our styles yeah so the thing that's along the ground and then so on the either end where our rails are going to be we're going to have this block and it's going to be secured to that style on on top of the rail. Uh, so we're talking about style. We're talking about the vertical part still. Oh, vertical. We're talking about the vertical okay. part. So this on on the top and the bottom of this vertical part, we're gonna have this block. Okay. And so we're gonna fix that block. And this block is a negative of the rail because the rail is a hollow profile, right? Gotcha. Okay. Okay. I'm tracking. So yeah. now, so now that rail is gonna sit on the negative, and so once it's already secured to the vertical part, so now yeah. the horizontal part goes on, and then you can secure it. Um, either from the top or the bottom because nobody really sees the top yep. or the bottom. Um, and that's a diff different connection method that one, you're still blocking linear motion because you're attached to both your style and your rail mm -hmm. and you block rotational because now you have more or less a perfect negative. Yeah. So the, uh, the, the block is basically a Lego that you can... Yeah, hook into for more structural support while hiding the the fasteners. Yeah, so now you hide the fasteners. Okay. Um, or so you can use that. You can use uh, a hollow negative, or to block rotational motion, but maybe you don't want to use screws. Mm -hmm. So then you could use you could run like um, a threaded rod all the way through the profile. Okay. And then clamp that, and so that'll block your linear motion, as opposed to fasteners. Mm -hmm. And then the the block will still block your rotational motion. There's all there's all these like even we, we're just talking about a like how do you connect a corner? That's all we're talking about. And it's like yeah. you, you have all these different options, and I and it is a little harder to, to articulate and understand 
over audio. Um, but it's, it's just like one small design, um, design decision. And one, you have to account for manufacturability. Mm-hmm. Which one's the easiest to manufacture? Which one's the easiest to repeat with good quality? Mm-hmm. Which one's the cheapest? What takes out the most part cost? How easy is it to install? How easy is it to install? Because I'm exactly. assuming you guys don't install the doors. You guys handle contractors that do that for you. Yeah, we just sell. We don't install, but like, you know, obviously this is already put together for them. Uh, yeah, yeah. I'm just saying like, yeah. Mm-hmm. So, so yeah, so that's just the corner. And then, and then um, let's think about a lock. So everybody has a handle and a lock on their door. Mm-hmm. But now, um, that that lock has some thickness. Uh, the the lock I'm referring to is is one both you can think of it easiest everybody knows is a thumb turn, so that's on the face of the door. But on the side of the door that locks, it actually where the the lock part comes like out, the bolt. The bolt. If it's a bolt. If it's a bolt, you know. So you have there's we call it a lock body. So that whole feature with. Mm-hmm. That goes on the face and then connects the the two cylinders together. Um, you typically want that flush, so you're not impeding um, the gap between your panel and your frame for weather strip sealing and all those different things. I mean, you can have it yeah surface surface mount, but if you flush, you you have a hollow. So now you've eaten out your hollow in order to make it flush. So now how do you how do you hold it there? Mm-hmm. What what backing? How how you design your backing? Yeah, so you're saying when you put the do- when you put the lock body in the door, how is the door structurally holding onto that lock? Yeah, because you've taken out all the material to hold yeah. it. So now, how do I put something yeah, in how there? How do you fix it to the door? That's cost effective. That's um, designed for manufacturability. That's safe. That's di- Yeah, that's safe. That's designed for serviceability. Yeah. How do I make a part or a set of parts or whatever it is yep. to hold that lock body there? that meets all those things and that's what they call engineering right and so it's it's like all these little things and then it's not like it's not like i sell we we sell like one door with one set of hardware at one size Mm -hmm. it's like i have multiples of different handles i have multiples of different hinges i have all these all these different variables that now you have to you're trying to uh, you're always trying to make common common parts if it's if you can. So you're trying to make common parts across these these different things, yep. and you have to make processing detail for all, all these different things and build up this CNC library, build up the training for people to do this, mm-hmm. build up parts, try and eliminate fasteners because personally we have way too many fasteners for all the <laughs> stupid stuff we do, right? And so it's like it's like I don't know. It's like sometimes I just think about it. It's like it's a window and door, man. Like whether it's you can think of the wood ones you're like cut it out of a, a block of wood or it's, it's aluminum door it's like it's it's four pieces yeah. in glass it's like like how, how how did we get to this point that it's so overcomplicated yeah and then it's also it's you look at it and it's like it should be so easy and then you know i'm just here every day i'm like dude this for whatever reason is stupid hard and mm-hmm. you know it's it's almost like sometimes i laugh at myself you're like you know people are designing you know spaceships and sometimes my company's like struggling to build a window and door and you know, it's like <laughs> I don't know either, man, but it, it, it's here, it's happening, I swear. <laughs> well, and something that I think about, just because I'm a little bit, I like to think about the business side a little bit more, is you guys don't have to offer lots of options. You could totally optimize and uh, make your assembly line just absolutely perfect for one product, but then you're not competitive in your market. Exactly. And yeah. So now you you're trying to balance between offering all the products and one product, because with one product, you could... You could bust out a manufacturing line for that and just have it dialed into perfection with robots and all this stuff. Mm -hmm. But then all that costs money to set up that line. And then who knows if that's going to be the thing that everyone wants in, you know, 10 years, 15 years, 20 years. So you don't want to build up this line. And then 20 years from now, when you're about to hit hit your, you know, ROI, no one wants your product anymore. Yeah. And you don't want to reconfigure your line for every product, every season that it, it hits. And so you guys are trying to, I'm assuming you're adding more products. You kind of mentioned that. But you are you don't want to add too many products because now you're trying to make all of your machine shop, all of your guys have to be such this, 
this jack of all trades trying to understand all the different products all the different applications all the different standards yeah and it, yeah it's not just um offering whole new like door systems or product lines or mm-hmm. um whatever you want to call it but it's also widening the configurations within so like yeah um right now and this is something i manage our whole kind of like cnc structure um on on how i on every everything i i take the process drawings i upload them right and then i have to i have to factor in all the different types of options we have and then mm-hmm. how do i display that in a way so the operator can easily define a, a checklist and then he, he has he has the programs he needs to run that job or mm-hmm. door or window um and so a bifold for example our bifold has um you know 70 like six configurations the bifold being um the piano door so you could have like um you could have as, as low as one door on the left and two on the right or vice versa. Mm-hmm. And as many as up to eight on the left and eight on the right and anything in between. Whoa. And so that comes with, um, you know, different hardware, whether it's keyed or unkeyed and in, in different sills, mm-hmm. um, whether it's um, one has a little leg on it, which has better performance or flush. sill, which is more yeah, aesthetically yeah. pleasing. And then you run into, okay, well, that works for, and you know, then I have hinge spacing. I, I have all these things. So I mapped it all out. Great. I have it. But then it's like, well, all I want to do is I want to offer this at window sizes. And so it's essentially the same product at window sizes. Not much changes down the line. But then mm-hmm. for CNC processing, you have to take into account, well, now on, on a vertical door, usually I get three hinges, top, middle, bottom on a you know short door quotations yeah. that's now a window you don't need that middle hinge so i have to go back through and make a subset of doors that don't need i need to go back through and make this whole whole system without without this middle hinge mm-hmm. i need i need to go through and change um, my hardware because i don't need a big um like hinge door hardware on some of these panels now because now it's just a little window so yeah. it, you need to change your hardware and so somebody's like well that's easy like i'm on the one end one guy saying i'm just i'm making it smaller like how could this even be harder and it's like well no now you're presenting another set of design constraints Mm -hmm. that changes processing that changes hardware that changes all these things and some people glance over it and you know this might not necessarily be design related but now it's just you're affecting your whole process line yeah and it's just it's it's so interesting to think that there there is such um there, there really is such challenge in something as simple, simple as window and door making. There's such challenge mm-hmm. in making toothpicks, not one toothpick, but making toothpicks so that you can make 200 toothpicks and have like the whole pack cost a dollar. Yeah. How do you make toothpicks at that efficiency and make money? With a specific kind of quality and all that stuff. And make it that, yeah, make it that well. There is such engineering that goes behind some of the simplest things we take for granted. Like, I'm sure all the Ikea furniture, I'm sure that's like a marvel, right? Or they always talk about like some of the Toyota plants are, mm-hmm. um, it's, it's just amazing sometimes on the simplest things, toothpicks, doors and windows, a bookcase. What is everything from design, everything they had to consider, what is assembly methods and everything they had to consider, mm-hmm. um, performance I don't even know. I'm rambling now, but it's just like <laughs> sometimes I sit back and think about it because I, I don't consider the industry I'm in necessarily like super difficult. Yeah. Windows and doors. Like, okay, good job. You get, you got your participation sticker. You're an engineer. <laughs> but then sometimes I'm like, no, man, this sometimes this stuff is like crazy. And, you know, sometimes it's not always like all this stuff. You know, sometimes it is it, it does. It does go how it's supposed to go, but usually not. Yeah. I. uh I've recently been thinking about trying to break into a different industry in engineering and it's like, do, how do I know I'm going to like that? It, is it still going to be something that is uh, you know, challenging for me? Mm-hmm. And like hearing your experiences, I'm like, you know, engineering's like, it's just problem solving and whatever constraints or whatever standards you have to figure out and, and build around the core 
of engineering is like it's still heat transfer it's still structural mechanics it's still material properties it's still you know all those things yeah and there there are so many great technical opportunities out there within those um, disciplines of namely mechanical engineering mm-hmm um, and it, they're all so great. We need people to do that, like hardcore analysis. But at, at the end of the day, like I, I agree 100. percent It's just a way in which you think. It's a way in which mm-hmm. you approach a problem and how you get to that solution. Um, and sometimes I think there is too much emphasis placed on your technical skill because I, I think broadly, any anybody with an engineering degree or anybody truly that can think like an engineer can go in and learn those technical skills needed to be applied to that job um and so you you can definitely you can definitely go do it go go to an industry and succeed um it's just how how much you care and how how well you are at problem solving and how, how can you adapt it to that industry yeah yeah i agree so yeah man it's just i wanted to get that brief overview maybe a little bit of a rant work's been crazy lately <laughs> um you know j- just kind of highlight s- some of some of the stuff in my life that i i think is so cool and also like so overlooked at times it, when, when you pass by a, a window and door and and I'm, I'm i know you do this at, at times especially when you're you're working um in, in a parallel similar industry um, but yeah, now it's like every time I go somewhere, I'm, I'm looking at the windows and doors. I was in Sedona this past weekend and I was <laughs> walking the storefronts and I was like, oh, like what, what, what are they doing here? How are they doing this? Yeah. yeah. Does it still look good? What could they have done better? Um, and it, it's just so fascinating because everybody can do it a little differently. Mm-hmm. Um, you can always learn something and you know, everybody has, has their reasons and their whys and things they overlooked and things they forgot. There are mm-hmm. things we overlooked and forgot and things we're doing better and things we're doing worse. And, it, and then so it's just like at the end of the day it's windows and doors how how can we not have figured everything out by now um so i, I think it's it's a really really funny dichotomy and I, I appreciate you trying to understand my visuals through audio <laughs> yeah. I, I did my best and, and hopefully i was able to uh, articulate some of that with derek derek's help uh, in, in line of questioning but um super cool topic just think think about anything as simple or as complicated and think about everything that goes into getting that to your table. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I, just to add a little bit to the end of this is hearing about your struggles at work. It's not that you were like griping. It's kind of just a venting, which is, mm-hmm. is good in, in <laughs> moderation. Um, but also like just hearing about how you're overcoming problems and how you're, how you're doing that. It, it's, uh, I, I, en- I enjoyed the conversation and I think that it's important, just me realizing this now, it's important for me to to remember that's what engineering is. It's not about trying to get, you know, the the promotion or trying to get the money or trying to uh, release a product or, or whatever it is. It, it At the end of the day, it's, uh, what did Mark, wrote, Mark uh, Watney say? It's, uh, you, you, you take one problem and you solve it and you move on to the next problem. And if you solve enough problems, you get to go home. And for yeah. me, it's it, it's not life and death, but for me, it, it, that's what it is for me. Is it's it, it's solving problem. It's breaking the math down and understanding it and moving forward. Um, and I think that if people are are uh, excited about that kind of stuff in their life, then that, that engineering should be uh, on their list of things to do. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's definitely for you. If you just like, if you see a problem and you're like, how like how how can I make this better? Because that is some people don't. Even, they're like, it doesn't work. Doesn't, yeah. It won't work. It doesn't work. And they, they walk away. And there's other people who see the problem and they attack the problem. Like, why? How? Is is it possible? Can, can we do this? Can we do that? Do we need something new? Do we need something old? Can I retrofit? Can I redesign? And it's, yeah, it's it's definitely just a way of thinking. Um, and I, I encourage anybody that thinks in this line to, to pursue it because it is, it is so fun and it's so fulfilling. As, as much as I gripe, I, I really, I really do enjoy it. Um, so, sometimes not always super interested necessarily <laughs> windows and doors, but yeah. every day there is definitely a problem to tackle. Yeah, and hopefully enough that I can go home. Uh, well, and I, I don't think it necessarily has to be exciting every day, but if if you're no. being challenged every day, yeah, in, in different ways for sure. Yeah. Um. So go go pursue it. Whether whether you love 
uh, engineering or some of the this even, even better disciplines, structural mechanics, mm-hmm. um, um, thermo, fluids, any yep. any and all. It, it's it's a great industry. It's it's so fun. I get to gripe, but I, I'm also so happy of everything I do. Yeah. So, oh yeah, that that was awesome. Um, glad I could share it with you guys. Like I said, I think it'd be a great exercise. Find something at home, M- make the thought experiment of how, how is this design? What is it being optimized for? How do it goes? Mm-hmm. How does it go from raw material to to my desk to something I can use and enjoy? Yeah. Um, and with that said, go like, go subscribe, go check out some of our recent podcasts we've, we've had some great discussions on here lately Definitely. and we're, we're producing producing more and more podcasts so mm-hmm. go give us a listen